0: sit down for a story let's all sing along to a lullaby song we've reached the time for a bedtime rhyme hello everyone and welcome back to the porty bedtime podcast i hope you're all doing well and i hope you've had a lovely day it's that time now of course for a song a rhyme and a story before bedtime And as for a theme this week, we are thinking about the weather and different seasons because I don't know about you, but I think it feels like we've been experiencing so many different seasons recently. So we're going to start our weather adventure with a song which features two types of weather. And that song is Incy Wincy Spider, which talks about the rain and the sun. We'll sing it twice as usual. Let's go. Incy Winsy Spider climbed up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sunshine and dried up all the rain. So Incy Winsy Spider climbed up the spout again. Again? Incy-wincy spider climbed up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sunshine and dried up all the rain. So incy-wincy spider climbed up the spout again. Brilliant. Well done, everyone, if you joined in there. Now it's time for our rhyme and this week we are going to listen to a poem by a writer called Christina Rossetti. We've heard her poems on the podcast before, last episode I think, and this one is called Who Has Seen the Wind? Who has seen the wind? Neither I nor you, but when the leaves hang trembling The wind is passing through. Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. It's a very short poem but it's quite a mysterious one, isn't it? That was Who Has Seen the Wind by Christina Rossetti. Now finally it's time for our story, and we're keeping with the wind. And what we're going to do is to start reading a longer story altogether, bit by bit, chapter by chapter. And that story is called The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. So we're going to read a wee bit of that story each week. And here we are with the first part, the first half of the first chapter. CHAPTER ONE. THE RIVERBANK The mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring-cleaning his little home, first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house with its spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was no surprise then that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor, said, "bother," and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him, and he made for the steep little tunnel which answered, in his case, to the gravelled carriage drive owned by animals whose residences are nearer to the sun and air. So he scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and then he scrooged again and scrabbled and scratched and scraped, working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, up we go, up we go till at last, pop! His snout came out into the sunlight and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow and after the seclusion of the house he had lived in for so long, the carol of happy birds fell on his hearing like a shout. Jumping off all his four legs at once, in the joy of living and the delight of spring without its cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the further side. Hang on, said an elderly rabbit. Sixpence for the privilege of passing by this private road. He was bowled over in an instant by the impatient, contemptuous mole who trotted along the side of the hedge, chaffing the other rabbits as they peeped hurriedly from their holes to see what the row was about. Onion sauce, onion sauce, he remarked jeeringly and was gone before they could think of a good enough reply. Then they all started grumbling at each other. How stupid are you? Why didn't you tell him? Well, why didn't you say? You might have reminded him. And so on, in the usual way. But of course, it was then far too late, as always was the case. It all seemed too good to be true. Here and there, through the meadows, he rambled busily along the hedgerows, across the hedges, finding everything, birds building, flowers budding, leaves spinning, everything happy and moving and busy. And instead of having an uneasy mind pricking him and whispering, whitewash, go home, spring clean, he somehow could only feel jolly It was so exciting to be the only one with nothing to do among all these busy citizens. After all, the best part of a holiday is perhaps not so much to be resting yourself as to see everyone else being very busy. He thought his happiness was complete when, as he walked aimlessly along, Suddenly he stood by the edge of a very full-looking river. Never in his life had he seen a river before that was so sleek, so full, so exciting, so full of laughter and gurgle. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, as one does when very small, by the side of a man. And when tired at last he sat on the bank, while the river still chatted on to him, a babbling procession of the best stories in the world sent from the heart of the earth to be told at last to the sea. As he sat on the grass and looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye. And dreamily he began to imagine what a nice snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants, looking for a wee riverside home above flood level and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished, then twinkled once more, like a tiny star. But it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation, and it was too glittering and small for a small glowworm. Then as he looked... It winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye. And a small face began gradually to grow up round it, like a frame around a picture. A brown little face with whiskers. A serious round face, with the same twinkle in its eye that had first attracted his notice. Small, neat ears and thick, silky hair It was the water rat. Then the two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over, asked the rat. Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole, very pettily. For him, he was new to the way of the river. The rat said nothing but unfastened a rope and hauled on it then lightly stepped into a little boat which the mole had not noticed before. It was painted blue outside and white on the inside and was just the perfect size for two animals. And the mole loved it straight away even though he didn't yet quite understand how they were going to use it. The rat rowed expertly across and very quickly. Then he offered his paw to the mole, who stepped down gingerly. Lean on that, he said. Now step quickly. And the mole, to his great surprise, found himself actually seated in the real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said the mole as the rat shoved off the side and took to rowing again. Do you know, I've never been in a boat before, in all my life. What? cried the rat, open-mouthed. Never been in a... you've never? Well, what have you been doing then? Is it really all that nice? Asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it. As he leant back in his seat and looked at the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating fittings, and felt the boat sway lightly under him. Nice! It is the only thing, said the water rat seriously, as he leant forward to stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolutely nothing. Half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamily. Messing about in boats. Messing. Look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous rower, the rat lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, his heels in the air, about in boats or with boats. The rat went on, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of them, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. That's the magic of it. Whether you get away or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination or whether you reach somewhere else, or whether you never get anywhere at all. You're always busy, and you never do anything in particular, and when you've done it, there's always something else to do, and you can do it if you like, but you'd much better not. Look here, if you've really nothing else on this morning, we could go down the river together and have a long day of it. The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness spread his chest with a full sigh of contentment and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. That's where we'll stop with our story for today. But if you come and join us again on the next episode, we'll catch up with Rat and Mole and see where their adventures on the boat have taken them. But for now, that's enough adventuring. For one day, I think, it's time for bed. All the rhymes have been read and the good nights said. All the music played and the footsteps made. All the stories told and the hours grown old. Now all the dreams are yours to keep and the night is yours to sleep. Good night, everybody. Thank you.